Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedarico and Daniel Coca. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Today, we turn our attention to the topic of health, and specifically holistic health and the immune system by speaking with Dr. Gabriel Cousins, a multifaceted physician, humanitarian, and spiritual healer. Dr. Cousins is a holistic orthomolecular physician, a homeopath, psychiatrist, family therapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, and Chinese herbalist who served as lieutenant commander in the U.S. Public Health Service. He is a recognized expert in healing diabetes naturally and is also a leader in spiritual ecology. He's the founder and director of the Tree of Life Foundation and the Tree of Life Center in the U.S. and is a best-selling author of 14 books. In our conversation, we also touch on Dr. Cousin's entrepreneurial journey, which is driven by his passion and faith, and we learn what real wealth means to someone who's dedicated his life to the pursuit of holistic health. Well, welcome to the podcast. It's really an honor to have you and to learn from you today for our audience. You're a very multifaceted man. And I know personally, I could I could take our, our podcast episode in many, many directions, given your background. But we would really like to focus today on your your background as a doctor, and as an entrepreneur, and what you've learned over the years in doing both and how you've built a business and a lifestyle and uh, really imbued everything that you do with meaning and how you really just show up in the world as this multifaceted entrepreneur. And so again, thank you for, for being with us. Well, I'm very happy to be with you. And actually, I really enjoy speaking actually more to just the doctors, but to all the people, you know, that you're, you're reaching. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just start with something that's really important for people to understand. The longevity studies show that people who are working hard, I'm going to also say, and enjoying the work, actually live on average of five years longer. Wow. And that's important. So people who are type B people, I'm more type A, uh, they don't live as long. And I've looked into that because longevity is one of the things I'm interested in. And motivation is very important for longevity, as well as paying attention to detail, which truly women do more than men, but that's okay. You know, the idea is detail, but the, the vision of the uh, aggressive business person, man or woman, is is really, you know, dies early from a heart attack, actually isn't true. And there was an 80-year study that actually showed that, that people were highly motivated and worked hard, actually lived five years or longer. I just want everybody to understand that. And then we can do some qualifications about, well, why is that the case? I love that you started with that because even uh, for Dan and I, when we started the podcast, it really is like a passion project. We do it to, to inform people, to expand our network, but mostly to connect and to share and to share information that's meaningful. And, and so I know a lot of people in our, in our network and a lot of our listeners are, are pursuing passions and work. And sometimes the two don't always connect, but for you, they are very, very connected. So I'm really curious to, to understand a little bit more about your background. And if we can, can we start with your medical background? Because you're a doctor, but you specialize amongst other things 
in holistic medicine. And I'm curious how you got there because it's, it's something that I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see a lot of functional medicine, a lot of holistic medicine, but it's coming more mainstream as I think it, it, it dovetails with this sense of trying to find meaning in other ways to show up in the world. So first, let's go back. I went to Columbia Medical School. I'm also trained as a psychiatrist. And this is in the 60s, okay? So my age is actually 77. Okay, so I'm coming from a different generation where the word holistic medicine didn't exist. So kind of get that viewpoint. I came out of a place called Amherst College. It was like the top-rated college in the country. I was captain of an undefeated football team. This is telling you a little bit about me. Uh, National Football College Football Hall of Fame. In other words, I'm a hard worker, and I love it. So if you don't love what you're doing, this is not good for your health. So one of the things that doctors face, what I see a lot of, is serious burnout, high rates of suicide, because they're not loving what they're doing. I love to see clients. I love to, to be talking like what we're doing now. So one of the things is follow your passion. Big thing. Doesn't matter how hard you work. Follow your passion. There's a little bit more to it. You can overwork too. But working hard is not bad. It's good for you. It makes you healthy and having meaning in your life. Okay, so that's key. So what I did is I, as I evolved, I saw that from as a psychiatrist, I wasn't, I saw people coming with lots of different difficulties, but I saw, I'm also a scientist. I've published papers in biochemistry and biophysics. So as a scientist, which is a little bit different than what you get in medical school, I saw, wait, something's wrong here. And so I began screening everybody for blood sugar problems, diabetes. I've written a book, There is a Cure for Diabetes. We literally cure. First, you got to understand the traditional teaching is there is no cure for type 2 diabetes. You can maybe ameliorate it with medication. So we heal, heal normal blood sugar, 61% who aren't on insulin, 24% who are on insulin in three weeks. How did that happen? Because this is another thing people need to learn. you got to think out of the box. So I developed a lifestyle and a diet and working with different supplements. Literally three weeks, that's impossible. But it's not because we're doing it. And I started doing that in 2007. Okay, but I'm backing to the ideas. I'm seeing the mind and the body are connected. As a psychiatrist, how do I work with the mind if somebody's body is completely, you know, out of balance? So I began, that's how I moved into holistic, because again, didn't exist. The word didn't exist is wait, 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 we have to work on people with blood sugars. We have to do, you know, if they have diabetes, you know, that makes them more susceptible to practically everything. So I first wouldn't even see people in psychotherapy. I was also, I'm also a trained family therapist, okay, and couple therapists. Boston Family Institute. But the point I'm making is, if their bodies aren't in order, we can't even talk about their mind. So that's how I began pulling it together. Just scientific approach, what works, what doesn't. And if people are coming in with a, a, a totally imbalanced biochemistry, we got to start there. And then that's what we call orthomolecular psychiatry, which actually eventually began to emerge in the late 70s like that so that's where i'm coming from and also couples work you know if the couples aren't in balance physiologically it's really hard to have a, a reasonable discussion because your blood sugar is off and it goes down then your mind isn't working right and then your emotions are off so the whole thing is how do we get people healthy and then we can work if there's anything left of the psychological you know, and psycho-spiritual and really, you know, for a couple and family work. So that's kind of the overview. And it just evolved really starting in the 60s. That's a while ago, right? But for some people. And then it evolved in the early 70s when I finished my residency and so forth uh, into a holistic practice. Again, 
trial and error, scientific approach, what works and what doesn't work. That's how I evolved it. I didn't have a, a philosophy to start with. It evolved out of my direct experience rather than, oh, I think I'll be a holistic psychiatrist or a holistic therapist. No, that's not how I started. So that's what we got. Sure. It's it's like, well, I mean, you've you've been doing this for such a long time that it's accretive. And so you with all the new um, the research that comes out every time there's a new discovery that, that you have to continually learn to evolve. Uh, everything changes. I mean, we, it's the same for us in, in finance and the real estate markets is so you have to stay on top of things and you have to evolve and your thinking has to evolve. And, and so I can see how that's natural that the, the idea of holistic, which I take for granted myself today, um, wasn't really a thing when you started in medicine. Literally didn't exist. The language wasn't there. I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about. So yeah. It, but not, obviously it's a big thing now, but, you know, uh, and functional medicine, which is not really holistic in the same way. Okay. They literally, hey, we have a couple, they're having trouble, so-and-so's having this or that. Uh, I'm seeing the couple, I'm seeing the family. I even ran a clinic, um, I even did teaching for residents uh, in Sonoma County, California, with an orthopedic surgeon. And I would interview the people. They're having trouble, but it was low back pain. And as we began to understand the low back pain, we began to see how it affected the relationship, if you get what I'm saying. And then you have to work with the you know, physiology. In this case, the relationship called pain in the neck, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> the, relationship, the relationship was affecting and creating psychosomatic difficulties. Yeah. So it actually goes both ways. Mm-hmm. It can be from psycho-spiritual affecting psychosomatic, or it can actually be physiological affecting your mental. The way, and people think it's only one way, but it's really mm-hmm. both ways. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you know your your business, and it sounds like similar with us, your business and your life are are effectively one and the same. Uh, it'd be great to just hear a little bit about kind of what you've built and, and what you see for for everything on a going forward basis. And a lot of the folks in our network, whether they're you know physicians or, or what have you, at some level they're also entrepreneurs. And we always like to chat with other entrepreneurs and just kind of hear your story. You know what's worked for you, where have the challenges been, uh, that sort of thing. So if, we'd love to hear your story. So I think the key for me is following the passion following what create, creates meaning and value and purpose in life. If that isn't on target, whatever you do isn't going to really work for you. And it won't give you the longevity, it won't give you the overall health. So I've gone through different phases. I started as an individual psychiatrist and holistic physician. Then I kept getting messages about creating a community, and which we did both in Mendocino, California, and then messages to come to Arizona, where all the laws were best for holistic physicians, and developed a community. Again, based, I'm going to say, a, a kind of a, a holistic spiritual community. And then as that expanded, it provided all the finances and so forth. And lifestyle. Lifestyle is a big thing. So. I created a community for myself that created a lifestyle that supported me economically as well as my purpose in the world, meaning and purpose in the world. That's kind of really how it happened. Meaning, purpose, value comes first, well, with passion, and then you develop things that don't work. That's why I don't get burnt out. I work really hard. I love it, okay? A lot of physicians, you know, they don't, they're not liking what they're doing. You know, they're not seeing whole people. You've got five or ten minutes per person. I, on the average, spend first patient visit two and a half hours. Think about that. Why? Because it actually takes that long to get to know the person and see what's going on. Yeah, That's that, how. That, makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was in medical school, I was a third-year student in 
I was on the uh, disease ward, internal medicine ward. And there was a lady there who she'd been to three other hospitals and nobody had helped her at all. She was very, very sick. And I'm a third year medical student. So I, I actually did the unusual thing. I talked to her. What's going on? And my diagnosis was psychotic depression. Now, if you're a third-year medical student, you got to be a little political. So I called in the psych consult. Actually, his name was Dr. Mesnikov. I was very impressed. He interviewed her and completely confirmed my diagnosis. Then they treated her for depression. She got magically, not magically, she got better. She got healed. I had four other, you know, cases just like that. So what I'm saying is you have to kind of think a little bit too, you have to think out of the box as a doctor, not see a person just through their lab test. You actually talk to people and you begin getting a whole assessment. Now at that time, I have to be honest with you, half the Columbia PNS medical students were in psychotherapy. They weren't very happy to begin with. Now that's probably true at all medical schools. It's not Columbia as is separate. Okay. I, so it's not Columbia, but it's in. Um, so I'm seeing things. I'm happy and doing, you know, and I'm seeing things in a bigger way. I'm a scientist. So that allowed me to talk to her, figure out what's going on. And that's key to the whole thing. So my passion kind of comes from, well, let's get some understanding here. And with with your with your passion, and I love that you always bring it back to passion and meaning because I feel that when we can align to that, there's also an alignment of internal values that yes. then, as you'll know, I'm sure it magnetizes certain people to you or into your life. So for example, for me, um, working with Dan and our other partners, Fark and Anne, is really a, a true alignment of values. And it doesn't ever feel like work. And truly, the there's, there's not drama. It doesn't feel there's, like work. Yeah. It doesn't feel like yeah. work. It's just, it's your life. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. I was just, I was just thinking about that because when it doesn't feel like work, but you're doing meaningful work and you're helping others because that's really our approach is, is to provide value, but having an alignment of values so that we're always going in the same direction and there's not somebody rowing in a different direction. What, what kind of people were you able to bring into your life to help you achieve more of, of what you have achieved. You've published multiple books. You had a retreat center that I actually want to talk about as well and how you got into that. But first, like who came into your life to help you build your dream and your, your passion to help others? So I would say that a key component is putting out what you're doing and then you're attracting people into your life who align with it. You know, if you aren't ready to meditate, you know, three times a week as a group together, if you aren't ready to, you know, work on your health, you know, that kind of thing. So we're also plant-based, a diet, like food. If you're not there, I'm not interested in convincing you. If you're staff, you already have to be there. Uh, so you want to put out a strong enough uh, message or signal or frequency, however we want to talk about, that's going to attract people in who are already aligned. That's also to do, do, do with relationship as well. You know, it's like you don't want to have to convince somebody, you know, a husband or wife or something, to, to learn to be a vegan. They should, you have to be there already. Otherwise, you have battles that you don't need. So you want the alignment, and that's that's the key to that. And it, but you just make it more public. See, a lot of business they're not as public about it, and then you're in it, and then you say, "Well, what's going on here?" So by being more public, you're more likely to attract people who understand what you're doing and already are aligned, and actually are looking themselves to find this an alignment in their their own lives. I love that. I was thinking about how we do that in our, in our own way. It's so important. It's so important. How did you start 
your retreat center and um, you still have it. It's in South America, right? Well, I, 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 I've taught in 40 countries. Okay. I have programs in uh, 26 different countries and I have over a hundred programs. So it's confusing when you talk about a location. However, that being said, really started in Patagonia, Arizona, not Patagonia, Argentina. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. That's, that's, uh, I thought, I thought Argentina. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. So here we are. We're up in the mountains. It's just beautiful. So people are coming because they want to be part of the diet or they want, you know, uh, where can you go to be supported in a live food vegan diet? Uh, and get really healthy, and has that a value? Where can you go? Where you can, can also be supported for meditation because they're not always aligned. People get into food, but you can't eat your way to God. You know, big problem. Okay. So, what I'm saying is that's how it started. I said, okay, I'm being told kind of an inner vision that that's what you need to do, and then I proceeded. So there was an inner vision with it as well. I think that that would be fair to say. Right. Uh, right. And what I'm doing. Uh, and that's uh, guiding and has guided me. Right. Right. So it's, people literally have come here from over 128 different nations. Okay. So these are the kinds of things that are going on. Now, of course, with the COVID thing, it's a little complicated. But, you know, like today I'm working with an Irish couple in England you know, in London, whose 21-year-old son you know, suddenly died from COVID. And it's like, oh my so goodness. we're doing a whole approach to helping them heal from the grief because it just happened a few weeks ago. So I'm working with people on the internet literally all over the world. Life has changed. So we changed. Fortunately, there are internets and there are... I was going to actually ask you, so were you performing, I guess, telemedicine before COVID um, in a way, or like, I mean, obviously like if, if you're working with people from multiple countries, either they're coming to your center, but um, were you already practicing a form of telemedicine before? Yes. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't call it telemedicine per se. Remember it's a two and a half hour interview. Sure. <laughs> right? But usually I like people to come here at least once because there's something about, that personal energetic connection that's very important. Yeah. And so I like that. And then again, people from literally, I said 120 different, eight different nations, you know, all over South Central America, the Middle East, you know, Asia, Hong Kong, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so if they can get it, that's good. If not, I, I will do it over the internet again, but I prefer at least once to see a person. Yeah. Well, now with, you know, with the pandemic and with, you know, largely these, these shutdowns, have you pivoted your, your business somewhat or um, has it changed very much? Well, it's kind of expanded in a way um, Mm. because, so I'm doing uh, retreats online like this coming Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, we're having an online meditation intensive. I, I, there's a lot of things you can do online. Yeah. So I've kind of said, well, that's what we need to do. Okay. I kind of, it's interesting. Okay. Because spiritual energy can still be transferred over the internet. So we shift. You, you have to shift with what's with the flow to make things work. Can't hold on to the way you did it when what's happening is, not fitting that. Right, right. And, and I'm, actually, I'm actually curious if we could talk a little bit about perhaps the immune system and some of the, your teachings and, and what you know to be true through, well, both your teachings and science and research on what we can be doing now to boost our immune system and also some people are starting to come out of lockdown and, you know, by the time more people listen to this episode, probably more States will be slowly, I'm not going to say getting back to normal because that's, that doesn't exist, but like getting back into a more outward focused life. So can we talk a little bit about the immune system and uh, some suggestions? So 
But to see it, we have to take a, let's say, a holistic approach, right? Sure. So in the 1880s, 1880s, a few hundred years ago, 150 years ago, um, Louis Pasteur was promoting the germ theory. Okay? Claude Bernard, Anton Beauchamp, names you probably don't know. Uh, Anton Beauchamp had uh, eight medical degrees, PhD degrees. These are smart people. And they're saying the terrain is everything. I'll explain what the terrain is in just a second. So when Louis Pasteur died, he said, Claude Bernard and Tom Bichon were right. The terrain is everything. So what is the terrain? Your total life, life force. So if we can step it up away from immune system, which is more allopathic thinking, into total life force, that's what we need to build. And so that debate that actually started at the Civil War, literally. Uh, there's a brilliant nurse who kind of began to figure these things out. But the point I'm making is, okay, so what's my approach? Well, the COVID virus, you know, whatever people believe, we know it, it attacks at least the lung tissue. It, it also attacks the heart, uh, you know, okay. But so first thing I would say is you need to breathe. You need to build what we call lung chi. So I recommend strongly what we call yoga pranayama or breathing exercises, build lung chi. What? Because you want that to be a strong force. Second, exercise. How does exercise? We, there's a lot of research that shows exercise really, again, builds your immune system. Breathe, you oxygenate. Research shows on longevity that uh, the people who live the longest have the most oxygenated mitochondria, which is the energy factories in the cell. Fine. So we're going to breathe. We're going to build the mitochondria. They're going to be our energy factories, if you see what I'm saying. And we're going to exercise. Same thing's going to happen. And when you exercise, sodium oxide dismutase, a super, anti, super duper antioxidant, is going to protect you against the free radicals that the viruses are creating. So those are two things, okay? Be well hydrated. And this is really important, not only for overall health, but if you are, seriously, if you're just uh, a little dehydrated, 2% dehydrated, that your brain begins to shrink and, and your thinking functions go down right in that day. So if you're an on-the-ball business person, okay, if you're not hydrated, your brain is shrinking during the day. You're literally, your mental capacities are going down and you won't be as effective. So I look at the hydration for all levels of health, but also for clarity of mind. Um, and then the, the question you're going to ask, you should ask is, well, how do you know if you're hydrated? Well, everybody has different body types, okay? So you know you're hydrated if you are, are urinating every two hours. It's really simple. You don't have to measure things or do things. So I try to give people simple things. Okay, if you're not if you're in every, every four hours, you're not hydrated. Your brain is shrinking, and your mind will not work as well. That's it. You know, if you want to be effective, you got to – okay, so that's three of the nature's healers. These are old principles that are true. What about sunshine? Now, even President Trump's folks, you know, are talking about the importance of sunshine. They're saying COVID virus can live for about six hours. In sunshine, two minutes. Think about that. So sunshine, vitamin D is very, very important. We know that uh, people have adequate vitamin D, and I like it around uh, about 180 uh, units uh, in, in the blood. That best is the blood test. Um, you, you're going to cut your upper respiratory and lower respiratory disease by 40 to 50%. Well, we've got we to get our sunshine, but we also need to get vitamin D. We also know that most of the transmission of COVID comes from indoors. Only 2% is outdoors, 80% is indoors. Think about what we just, what I'm saying here. So if I were running a business and I have my people outdoors, I'm outdoors exercising and breathing and doing all these things. Make sure people are getting an outdoor break, they're getting sunshine and they're getting fresh air. So we shouldn't be sheltering at home, we should be sheltering in tents in the forests. 
Well, we don't have to go that far, but we need <laughs> to get outside, you know, a half hour a day. Right. And then two recent doctors, the doctor's kind of on the front line. We're going to give you a more front line look. So there's two doctors out of Bakersfield. And they basically have uh, shown that uh, shutdown versus non-shutdown, the, the end results are the same. And their researchers uh, in a variety of places are saying, well, did it work? Well, is there any science at all that supports shutting down? There's no science whatsoever. Hate to say it, but these guys really said it in a big way. And, and then they also said, hey, it's not that it's dangerous, but take care of yourself if you get what I'm saying. So, uh, the, but the shutdown had apparently all over, not only in the United States, but also uh, in Europe when they compare Sweden and Norway. Sweden kept it all open, no shutdown. Norway did shutdown. Statistically, this is what they point out. Statistically speaking, the amount of deaths were the same. You see what I'm trying to say? But that's what a scientist is going to look at who works in the emergency who's going to see things. I just uh, heard about this neurosurgeon from New Zealand. He had, had lived in New York, I think, but say, saying the same thing. So as scientists were saying, what is this shutdown stuff? There's no historical evidence. There's no present evidence because we're now looking at four months of exposure. You see where I'm going with that? It's like, okay. Now, but here's my point. I, I do a 10-minute thing each day. If the train is coming down the tracks and you're standing on the tracks, whether it's a big train, very lethal, or a little train, a little lethal, get off the tracks. Common sense. So you want to get out of the way. So I have a protocol that I've developed. You know, we, we look at zinc deficiency being connected. I won't go into the whole physiology of that, but zinc is very antiviral. Vitamin D, vitamin C, okay, these are pretty basic things you want to do. Um, I won't go in too much with the 5G, but a certain amount of 5G protection is needed. And these protocols, and I'm going to say a vegan life food diet, you know, at least an 80% life food diet, is going to give you optimum immune system. Back to your question. So we know people who live this way, really, one, live longer, but also have an optimized immune system. You're breathing. You're exercising. Okay? Uh, you're you're drinking water, so you're hydrated, so your cells work right. These are very very important. You're outdoors, way less transmission outdoors. Okay, and then I I want to put in about relationship. Research shows longevity because we have to kind of look at that. Love actually works, and I say that seriously though. Uh, I mean it's a nice thing to say. I understand, but the research shows that. <laughs> Uh, people who are married live longer. That's what the research shows. And uh, men are more affected. So men who are divorced do not live as long. Women who are single live almost as long as married women. So relationship is most important. Um, we know it cuts down depression by 50%. Okay, so love, relationship, community connection, these are all really, really important things. So when you start adding all those up, okay, you know, you are creating the terrain, which is what they used in the 1880s, that's way bigger than the immune system. Now, I do have certain Chinese herbs, you know, I'm not, you know, that the people can, I'll put it this way. I have a whole protocol, and they can just go to drcousins.com. It's free. You get on the mailing list and you get the protocol and you can see the whole thing because um, there, there's a bunch of things. But so I have herbs to support the immune system more straightforward that way. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an overview of it. So once you got to get off the train track, so you're not hit by the train, whether it's super lethal or a little lethal, it doesn't matter. Get off the track. Second thing is, Take care of yourself. That's what's getting off the track. And the third thing, and this is, again, based on a research base, is that when you return and put God back in your life, you actually do much better. 
uh, you're more inspired, you have a more sense of purpose, but the truth is you live longer and you have less disease. So this is, I'm, I'm summarizing a lot of research, but uh, we do know people who, you know, are involved focusing on God. It doesn't matter what religion, there's no, it's, you know, or if you're even in a religion, just focusing on God in your life is the one in front of the zeros that really empowers people. Uh, and we can look at, well, how do people make it to the concentration camps? The people had a, some kind of a belief in God. They tended to survive at a higher percentage than people said, uh, you know, it's all meaningless and I can't do it. So these are really the big players, not just for COVID-19, but for living your life. Okay. And, and I think that's the, the thing we want to get. We're talking about living your life. The real wealth, okay, uh, is is really that. It's like how do you live your life with love and purpose and meaning? Uh, and then from that, you naturally are going to make the contribution that's right for you. you know? uh, and so love, life, meaning, and I'm going to say passion. Okay. Um, another very important thing is meditation. I've actually been teaching meditation since 1973. So you can do the adding of that's 47 years. Okay, so what do we know about meditation? People who've been meditating for more than five years have a physiology that's 15 years younger. Think about that. Physiology that's 15 years younger? Who can complain about that? Okay, and that's research that's been repeated a variety of times. So I really ask people to start meditating and, and begin to tune into themselves. Now, people talk about meditation for relaxation. All that's good. But, and lowering your blood pressure, all that's good. Um, but the big point is it really connects you to the truth of who you are. If you're empty inside, you don't know the truth of who you are, how do you have meaning, value, and purpose? Because you're disconnected from that. Right. So meditation helps connect you to the divine. Right. And that's really kind of the core and the stone of it all. If, if you don't have that, you don't really have it. And prayer. I'm going to put prayer in there, too. We literally know. I talk about brain. Literally, meditation and prayer literally change the shape of the brain. Yeah, there's a lot of neuroscience, and I'm certainly not as uh, well-read as you, um, but from from some of my personal studies around the neuroscience and the research that, that's out there, it, it's a physiological effect. And I actually wanted to ask about um, the fear and not so much mindset, but the way that fear and being afraid and the news cycle to some degree that, you know, keeps fear front and center, if we follow it, how that is impacting the, you know, as you put it, the, the terrain, like the wholeness of who we are, because if we're in fear, it's shown to affect the immune system. Totally. Yeah. And this, you know, the thoughts that are anchored by emotion that create a belief and a habit and so on and so forth. So that's really important. And we found that a lot too in, you know, in a person's ability to, you know, they have passion, but getting from passion to manifestation also has a lot to do with overcoming a mindset that has fear or scarcity or other limiting beliefs. Right. So you actually said two things and I, I actually deal with both of them, but I just want to say on the physiology is is that uh, the prayer increases the frontal lobes and the prefrontal lobes and shrinks a little bit what we call emotional the amygdaloid area. It actually shrinks that. So it's naturally going to decrease your fear. Okay, so that's just to finish that concept to answer your question. So another piece with fear is the idea that you're a attached to your body and you forget that your soul is immortal, which is basic in all the great traditions, and it can never die. So that's a, a pretty important thing. It decreases it. Uh, on a practical thing, if you're doing all these things that I'm talking about, your chance of getting COVID or anything else is going to be way less. 
So nature is going to give you 95% protection, if you get what I'm saying. Comorbidities, the study in India shows that uh, 99% of the people who died had at least one comorbidity. 50% had three. So obviously, one way to deal with the fear is get yourself healthy. So you're you're decreasing your your fear thing because you know I'm healthy. I have a strong terrain. It's really rare that I'm going to have a problem. If I have a, a thing, it's going to be point. I mean, the research kind of suggests I got a Stanford so research. What are we looking at? Point one, point oh, you know, very very low mortality. So practically, take care of yourself. You're going to have a lower mortality. Period. You're going to be way safer, period. So we have that level, plus there's a more spiritual level, which is, so is immortal. What's the problem here? When we talk talk to new investors, one thing they ultimately say to us is, you know, help me invest my money so that, you know, I could stop doing what I do every day, you know, working as a physician, working as a lawyer, as a banker, uh, I want to retire as, as early as possible. And, you know, I think what you're saying about having passion is probably the most important way to kind of get get through your life and, and create meaning. But the question is, are you thinking about investing? Are you thinking about building wealth? Or are you more so just focused on passion and meaning and you know, whatever happens long-term happens. Um, I think it'd be interesting to hear from your perspective uh, how you think about those ideas. Well, it's a really good question. I don't start about building wealth. I start about meaning, value, and purpose, and I all know that I will be taken care of. So I kind of start from that point of view, because if you don't have that, what's money going to do for you? You're going to eat it? I mean, what, what can you do? I don't ever see retiring and out of that passion, meaning, and value, then um, all that happens, including thoughtful investment, you know, long-term investment. That's, that's fine. Um, but it, it comes with it. Everybody has a role to give, and you will be taken care of. So that's how I look at it. I don't worry about it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, within our team structure, one thing we do every week is each one of us has a one-on-one with, you know, other members of the team where, you know, we spend most of that time talking about, you know, non-work related matters, just catching up. Um, and Adapian and I, we actually share uh, a lot of similar beliefs around just personal optimization, uh, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how, whatever that, that means and, and things that we talk about a lot. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is I, I know you're um, you know very experienced in this in this world, uh, fasting and plant based eating. Um, you know I've been a, an intermittent faster for probably a year and a half now. You know one of the best nutrition food you know based decisions I think I've ever made. Uh, Adapia is is a vegan. You know I'm typically plant based until dinner, but uh, you know I, I grew up in a in a, a meat eating household and it's been a hard uh, transition entirely away. Uh, we'd love to hear a bit more about, you know, your thoughts on on both of those topics, and, you know, advice for people who are just looking to improve, uh, you know, their relationship with food, how they eat, their nutrition, etc. It's, it's an excellent question. So I've been teaching fasting for since 1983. It's a while out there. Okay, 37 years. I, you know, we. People can come to the tree here and fast. I have fasting retreats in Israel. Of course, right now everything's kind of shut down. I, you know, but so fasting is a tremendous, tremendous thing. Now, in my research, a minimum of six to seven days is what I'm recommending. Why? I'm not done a forty-day fast. So okay, so uh, it's because it takes that long to get the bile toxins out of the system. Intermittent fasting is also good. So don't misunderstand me, but it's not getting out the bile toxins out of the uh, out of the gut and also out of the brain. So by day five and six, the, as the bile toxins come off, you know, above, but also and again, say the brain, people get clear, they get healthier, and um, 
it takes at least five days to undo all your addictions, particularly when you're fasting. So we get a lot of mileage uh, of a seven-day fast, which is a nice uh, earth cycle uh, with that. Because by the time you're done, the bile toxins are out, you don't have food addictions, and it's like a major restart. Can, can you talk a little bit more ab about what that, that entails? It's like, what are, what are those five to six days like? If, if I said, hey, I want to do one of these fasts tomorrow, uh, how, do, how do I think about it? <clears throat> okay. So uh, I do uh, juice fasting. And what I do is I have people that we serve juices, green juices that I dilute and have. I initially did fruit juices, but they're too sweet, and the fructose unbalances the system a little bit. So we're gonna we do a diluted green juice fast. People are taking enemas once a day because you got to clear the bile toxins. Okay, sometimes twice a day. That's pretty classic stuff. You know, if you look at all the fasting, classical fasting retreat places like in Europe and so forth. So that's it. We are also meditating twice a day. We're doing yoga uh, at least once a day. We're teaching people breathing exercises, and we also have uh, spiritual discussions in the evening. So we're tuning people in into a bigger thing. And I give, it's hard to explain, you know, but from a yoga point of view, I, I lived in India for seven years on and off, and I was empowered to give a thing called Chaktipak, kind of like in the Kundalini energy. Are you familiar with that, or do I need to explain that a little bit? Okay. So, I'll just explain. A kundalini energy is the spiritual life force. When it's not awake, it's kind of stored at the base of the spine. When it's awake and it begins to energize and spiritualize the DNA, the cells, the organs, and the whole endocrine system, and what we call the chakra systems, uh, which are connected to the endocrine. So when that's awakened, people are much more empowered. So over a course of seven days, as people clear, they're more likely to have that awakened, okay, which is a huge jump in uh, not only spiritual life, but actually your overall health. So that's why I like the seven-day cycle with that. So we're doing 50% uh, diluted juices, yoga, twice-a-day meditation, what we call Shaktipat, the awakening of the Kundalini energy. Uh, and spiritual discussion, as well as overall health discussions. You know, how to take care of your brain, how to take care of your body, how to take care of your immune system, you know, overall health discussions, the, the power of a, a vegan diet, the power of a live food vegan diet. Um, so, it, it, you know, what are the components of healthy longevity? These are all things that we cover in the past. So it isn't just fasting per se but it's like a total holistic experience looking at every aspect of your life. Hmm. That's kind of what we do in our fasting retreats. It sounds like something that even though a lot of people have been shut in for a while, as you describe it, it sounds like something that I think maybe a lot of people would like to do, just having gone from being shut in in an environment where um, – you know, it hasn't necessarily been that easy or maybe even that healthy, depending. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of research that shows that that people have gone back to eating a lot of junk food and uh, processed foods and, and instead of the live and, and those kinds of foods. But um, I, I know that we could talk about this for, for hours. It's a personal it's a personal passion of mine. I'm just saying that I think coming out of this, the, the need for a full detox on all these levels. Like you're saying, it's not just the not ingesting food, but it could right. be something that potentially a lot of people are, are drawn to. I'm sure that many have been feeling the effects of this period of time as a need to change something. So I hope that that maybe perhaps they will find you and, uh, and all your wisdom and, you know, just want to say again, thank you so much for, for coming and having this very, very interesting right. so discussion. I'm going to add one more thing. Sure. You brought up something about limiting concepts. Mm -hmm. So this is a course I do teach over the internet, which I've already done. I call it the zero point. Mm -hmm. And we carry thought forms around, uh, limiting thought forms and belief systems about who we are and 
poverty consciousness. These are things that people really do, and they they contract who we are. So I, uh, a few weeks ago, already taught my zero-point course, which I started in the late 80s, okay, that helps some people clear their limiting thoughts. That's something I do at home. Fasting, I don't know. I'm not quite ready to do that one because it, you need sometimes kind of to be able to check people's blood pressures and pulse rates mm. and heart and all that. So we do approach the limiting thought forms because that's a huge issue for people. That's huge. It and is. when people fast and you do the zero point, which is, again, limiting thought forms, limiting beliefs, uh, it moves really fast. Yeah. Making a pun fast, right? So, <laughs> um, But the point I'm making is that is something I am doing over the Internet, not this weekend but you know next time we, we do the the um, meditation then we go into a it's a three and a half day course to specifically address what you what you raised earlier right because that actually really does limit people's ability to earn money and be abundant very much yes yeah so we, we do directly address that mm-hmm. you know, and that helps yeah. a lot so I'll, I'll put it that way. So those are two things I'm doing. I'm not sure about fasting. I, I kind of have to have a hands-on type situation. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it's it's very relevant to know what we might be holding on to as a thought form that's holding us back from whatever we're seeking, you know, purpose, passion, prosperity, all that abundance. So I'm glad you brought it up. We'll include a link in, in our show notes so that people can, can find it if, if they're interested in, in learning more. I've done a lot of work around that and it's really powerful to unblock and clear those out so that you can really move towards what you want. Yeah, we get, as they say, three and a half day course, very high success rate in people being able to do this. So let me just give a blessing to everyone that we're able to touch into the the truth of who we are, the fact that we are all divine beings put on earth to grow spiritually. And as we grow spiritually, all that other abundance naturally comes. All right. Thank you. So may people be blessed to experience that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Cousins. This is a great, great talk. Okay, great. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.